Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and with me here, as always, is Drew Silva. Now, we may or may not be watching the World Series as we're doing this, <laughs> and we might be reacting to certain things. So, if suddenly we're like, "Oh my God," maybe something happened in the game, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna try to keep this as uh, evergreen as possible. I guess is the best way to put it, but. Uh, the purpose of this episode is to talk about the teams who were eliminated in the league championship series, uh, both the Braves and the Astros, just to sort of give an outlook for those teams going into the offseason, some things to think about in fantasy leagues going into 2021. Um, we've actually uh, been away for two weeks, I think was our last episode. Um, we're basically going week to week, and Chris Crawford... And Colin Henderson are, are we're kind of going week to week with them. So next week, they'll be back with another episode. And then two weeks from now, we'll do our hot stove preview episode. So things are moving fast. Um, that should be a pretty interesting offseason in, in many ways. Uh, but we're going to start out here just talking about the, the Astros and the Braves. Yeah, it does kind of feel like October has flown by. Yeah. I don't know why, because um, it seemed like, August and September took forever. And the the time continuum for everyone, I think, is a little messed up right now. And maybe it's just because there's fewer games and, like, actually some entertaining baseball to watch. I think these playoffs have been generally outstanding. I mean, for yeah. both of those league championship series to go seven games um, and, and for the top seeds in each league to wind up in the World Series. In this kind of year, I thought we'd have some kind of weird World Series, but... I think the two most deserving teams have, have found themselves there. Yeah, I wouldn't have had any issues if the Braves would have made it over the Dodgers. Obviously, there's all sorts of issues surrounding the Astros. Uh, I mean, relevant to this year, I mean, they were an under 500 team, so that would just would have looked bad for mm -hmm. various reasons. Uh, but also the obvious controversy there as well. So, so you're right. I mean, so many weird, random things could have happened in a 16-team playoff structure, but... The two best teams are, are left standing here at the end. And uh, I know the Rays offensively outside of Randy Rosarena, you know, haven't really done much offensively. Uh, I think the Dodgers are the better all-around team. But, like, I, I don't think the Rays are an underdog by any means. No, and, I mean, the Dodgers looked – we're trying to keep this podcast uh, evergreen, like you said, but the Dodgers looked dominant in game one. But if I was a betting man, I, I probably would have bet the Rays here in game two. I, I think they're a really tough team that is not going to be scared off by one lopsided loss. Yeah. Um, and Brandon Lau finally got off the schneid in uh, the first inning of game two tonight with a home run. He had been in a really tough stretch, actually dating back uh, to the end of the regular season. 
Um, and But Kevin Cash has kept him in the number two spot. I thought he might drop Lau down a bit, but um, I don't know, kind of, kind of rewarded that confidence for him. So if you haven't been reading rotoworld.com and if you're not, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> uh, this is sort of a preview of our team roundup series. We, we do it every October, going through every team, sort of summarizing the year and doing uh, different fantasy slants is what we call it. Uh, plucking out a few players uh, to talk about their fantasy outlook, going over their season, you know, what to look forward to going into 2021. So this is sort of a preview of what those columns are. We've already done, I think we've already covered more than half of the league. I put up the Giants on Wednesday. I have the Phillies coming up later this week. Uh, So it's just a fun way to sort of recap the year, especially if you're kind of like a tunnel vision sort of fan. If you're just a super fan of one team, uh, you know, it gives you a good in-depth look uh, going into the offseason. So like I said, we're going to go with the eliminated teams from the League Championship Series. I'm going to start here with the Braves. Of course, they were eliminated by the Dodgers in seven games. They were actually up 2-0 and 3-1 in the series. So a disappointing end to the season, but still, I think there's a lot to like here. The Braves went 35-25 and during the regular season, their third straight first place finish. Uh, made it to the LCS for the first time since 2001, which is, is crazy. It's, it's taken that long. First, uh, they were looking for their first World Series trip since 1999, so it's been a while for them. I still think the future is really, really bright for this team, but the biggest question for the Braves this offseason is the future of Marcel Ozuna. Of course, he joined the club on a surprise one-year $18 million deal this past offseason, and he was one of the best hitters in Major League Baseball this season, hit 338, 18 homers, uh, 1067 OPS over 60 games. Led the NL in both home runs and RBIs. Was actually the number three ranked overall player in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues this season. Uh, And it's safe to say he won't have to settle for a one-year deal this time around. I know it's hard to really get a gauge of the marketplace given all we're hearing about, you know, teams losing money due to the pandemic and and no ticket sales and all that sort of stuff. But I still think he's going to fare pretty well, be at the top of the market there. And the Braves have already said, obviously, they'd love to keep him. Um, But some of that maybe hinges on whether the DH spot will stick around for good. Uh, I'm inclined to think it will. Uh, He fits best with them out of the DH spot there. Uh, Christian Pache Pache and Drew Waters are in the pipeline there. So uh, that's where Ozuna fits best uh, for the long term um, there with the Braves. So, you know, we'll have to see. But I think Ozuna is probably going to get. I don't know, three or four year deal, most likely. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I, I, there were reports that he turned down four and five year offers uh, last winter, I believe from the Reds was one. Um, yeah, and I, I think he's he's clearly like, I don't know, George Springer would be up there as far as the best bats on the open yeah. market. But he he's up in that upper tier and he's only 29 years old, I believe, if I have that. Right, and Accurate. Springer is going to be 31, going into his age 31 season next year. So, yeah, and if there is that universal DH, I mean that that clearly opens up the market. It makes National League teams a lot more willing to to dole out a long term contract to him. Yeah. Um, because I, I yeah, I mean his his defense has really cratered since he won that Gold Glove with Miami, and I, I think his his shoulder is still a bit compromised, but the dude can definitely hit, and that's pretty much always been true. So from a fantasy perspective, 
Do we have any hesitation at all of putting Ronald Acuna Jr. at the top of draft boards in, in mixed leagues next year? I know Fernando Tatis Jr. is in that area. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout's always there. Uh, Acuna might not have had like the amazing season. He hit 250, but uh, otherwise all around, he was pretty much as advertised. Didn't play. He only played 46 games, so he missed 14 games with the left wrist inflammation, but um he was actually still really high uh, among overall players in, in fantasy leagues. I think he was just outside maybe the top 15 or something like that. Uh, so if he had played a full 60, you know, very possibly would have been right there with Zuna and Freddie Freeman and guys like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really thought about like my top 10 overall yet, but I, I I'm pretty confident. Like, like you were saying that he should be probably number one. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. up there too. Trey Turner up there as well. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, Trevor Story, I think, will get a boost into the top five. Um, Mookie Betts, I don't know, I'm just kind of <clears throat> spitballing here off the top of my head. Um, and Mike Trout and Christian Yelich. I mean, Christian Yelich is going to fall a bit, but yeah. I don't think he should fall. Juan too Soto far. will probably be up there too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm pretty confident that, you know, you can maybe attribute the wrist situation to, to some of the drop off as far as batting average. And the, the weird thing with Acuna is, yeah, the strikeouts were up, but he had a ridiculously high walk rate. He was 18.8% this year, you know, really coming into his own as a leadoff hitter there for the Braves. Last year it was at 10.6%, which was still good, but 18.8% this year, only three qualified hitters had a higher walk rate this season. Aaron Hicks, which might be a surprise, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, you know, so he's really getting comfortable there in the leadoff spot, getting on base, stealing bases, getting driven in by that really talented Braves lineup. And uh, Ozzie Albies is, is right there too. Uh, he looked great down the stretch after returning from his wrist issues. He might be my top fantasy second baseman going into next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I I kind of agree with you there. Second base is going to be tricky again, though. I mean, yeah. it was tricky to rank coming into this year and then having such little data to go on. Um, I think that podcast, when we break down the second base position, should be an entertaining one because I think our rankings will probably be very different. And we haven't even mentioned Freddie Freeman yet, who is probably the National League's most valuable player this season. And remember, coming off a pretty scary case of COVID uh, during summer camp, but Freeman ended up playing in all 60 games uh, this year, and he hit 341 with 13 homers and an 11.02 OPS. <laughs> so, uh, also led the NL with 23 doubles, 51 runs scored. Believe it or not, he was actually the number one ranked player in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues this season. Now, Freeman has generally been a second round pick in standard mixed leagues in recent years. Do you think this kind of year can actually push him into the first round? Uh, I mean, he's as consistent as it gets at first base, like you could just lock him in and, and feel really good about it. Maybe you want to go with that safety and, and take him late in the first round. I think it's at least defensible. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a clear gap, I think between Freeman and the rest of the first baseman. And I'd even throw Cody Bellinger into the mix there mm. um, with, with their respective results during the regular season. And Pete Alonso, I think, will drop a bit from where he was. Anthony yep. Rizzo will probably drop a bit, though he's pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, being able to lock in an elite first baseman could be a big advantage. And, 
I mean, you, you go further down the first base list. There's not like a lot of risers. Yeah. We'll see what, what Reese Hoskins looks like coming off kind of a hybrid Tommy John surgery. Josh Bell, you know, had a, a really bad 2020 after a really bad second half in 2019. I actually did the uh, Pirates team roundup. I have posted Pirates and Tigers so far, and there's just not a whole lot to yeah. talk about with either of those teams. Yeah. Um, I have the Reds coming next week, though, so that, that'll be a good one, hopefully. So the other big question for the Braves is the status of Mike Soroka. Of course, he tore his right Achilles tendon back in August, uh, had to miss the remainder of the season. Really a shame there. Uh, a lot was expected of Soroka going into this year, and he's also just really fun to watch. Uh, Braves general manager Alex Anthopoulos said this week that they expect Soroka will be throwing when the club arrives to spring training next year, but... He declined to give any sort of timetable for an actual return. Uh, there's still a long way to go, so that's understandable. Um, we'll, have, we'll know a lot more when, when spring training rolls around. Still, it's easy to be excited about this rotation. Soroka with Max Freed, who really emerged as an ace this year. Ian Anderson, who was really impressive uh, down the stretch in the postseason. Kyle Wright um, had his ups and downs during the regular season. Also had a rough uh, playoff start, but... Uh, a lot of talent there if he can throw strikes. Bryce Wilson as well, who we've heard about for a really long time, uh, and also looked pretty good during the postseason. Um, and, and Ian Anderson, I, I think, is the guy that's really the riser for me. He's he's right there as a, a trusted arm behind Max Reed in the rotation. Like I said, 195 ERA over his fi- first six starts in the majors. Then put up a 0.96 ERA over four postseason starts. So just a fantastic debut for him. 65 strikeouts in 50 and a third innings. His changeup was basically unhittable. Uh, I think the only thing to watch here is the control. 14 walks in 32 and a third regular season innings. 10 walks in 18 and two thirds innings during the postseason. And this kind of goes back to the minors. He, He walked about four batters per nine innings in the minors. So... Uh, This has been a lingering thing for him. Uh, You'd like him to be more efficient for sure. Uh, Still, there's no doubt that he's a a mixed league option going into next year. I think guys like Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson are a little bit more wait and see. Yeah, I mean, the the big concern I have with Anderson, I think the the stuff is excellent. Like, how how many innings are they going to allow him to throw next year? I mean, he topped out at, what, 32 in the regular season, uh, 18 and two thirds in the postseason. That's just not much. He threw 130 in the minors in 2019. Um, so he was trending towards becoming like a, a bona fide 200 inning pitcher if this season had gone on as planned. But I mean, this is something we're going to have to talk about with every single starting pitcher, yeah. not, not just prospects, but with him being so young, such a big part of the future. I wonder if the Braves kind of baby him in, in 2021. Yeah, I think, you know, there's probably a select group of of pitchers who you're kind of like, yeah, they're going to throw their standard 180, 200 innings maybe. But beyond that, a lot of pitchers are in the same bucket, uh, mm-hmm. especially with so many young pitchers coming up right now. So uh, who knows? You just take your chances on the, on the skill set, I guess. Um, the other thing to, to think about here, uh, Christian Pache, Pache's role for 2020 only saw four regular season plate appearances before taking on a bigger role in the postseason uh, due to Adam Duvall going down. Uh, Pache looked great in center field. <laughs> the numbers at the plate weren't great in the postseason, went four for 24 with a homer, uh, four to three strikeout to walk ratio. But 
No, just looking at his at-bats, they, they were a lot better than I thought they would be. He wasn't overwhelmed or anything like that. Uh, it does seem like he has a good idea what he's doing at the plate, so I think that's a big positive. We always knew Pache would be a money defender in the outfield. We've heard about that for years, uh, but the bat was sort of always catching up. Um, he did put up pretty good numbers between AA and AAA in 2019, hit 277 with 12 homers and an 802, 802 OPS over 130 games in his age 20 season. So AA and AAA, 130 games in his age 20 season. So uh, that's pretty impressive, I think. And, and remember, this was a guy who showed no power at all when he first broke into pro ball. I think he didn't have, he didn't hit a single home run through his first uh, season and a half in pro ball. So he's made a lot of progress there. I think he could eventually find his way on a mixed league rosters, but He's probably not an immediate pickup next season in mixed leagues, at least assuming he's the starting center fielder. I think there's a decent chance he'll be maybe a little bit overvalued uh, because his defensive contributions will always keep him high on prospect lists. So maybe he's someone, you know, someone will take a chance on when there might be a more reliable veteran. Uh, Drew Waters is also someone who's talked about a lot and with Nick Markakis going into free agency, Marcelo Zuna, I guess you could see him possibly playing his way into the mix there. We didn't see him in the majors this year, but you have to figure that will happen next season at some point. Waters could play all over the outfield. He's a 298 hitter in the minors, had seven homers and 16 steals over 134 games in the minors in 2019, but his his approach is definitely a concern. He struck out 28.6% of the time in 2019, so you know, look at a prospect like him, definitely growing pains, you'd have to think. Uh, once he makes that jump to the majors, you can't count on that high batting average, that's for sure. Uh, I suppose we'll see him in the majors next year, but my guess is that Acuna, Pache, and Adam Duvall will be the outfield to begin the year, and best case scenario with Ozuna in the DH spot, but you know, that's pretty much just uh, wait and see. Yeah, I mean, going back to Pache, he has taken such incredible strides offensively from where he was, like you said, didn't have a homer over his first, I don't know, almost two full professional seasons. And I mean, he, he posted pretty decent numbers at AAA for being 20 years old. The totally, average yeah. age at, at AAA is around 27 years old. Um, I, I don't think he's going to be a fa- fantasy relevant. You covered all this already, but I don't think he's going to be a fantasy relevant guy next year, maybe like down the stretch. Um, and maybe if he, he steals a little more bases, a few, a, a few more bases than he did uh, last year in the minors. I mean, he had 32 stolen bases in 2017 um, at low a Rome. So there is that part of his game and he, he's an excellent athletic defender in, in center field. And you trust the true talent there. Um, that he'll eventually become like a fully formed five tool kind of player. And I I think he will get there, um, but probably not in 2021. And just watching him play the outfield. I mean, you got to be reminded of like Andrew Jones. I mean, just seeing him, he's just so comfortable out there, you know, despite the pressure of playing in a postseason game after you've only played one major league game during the regular season. Uh, So I was really impressed. I, I think Braves fans should be really excited about him. Uh, and the last player I wanted to get to here is Travis Darno. Uh, I think he really could be the number two fantasy catcher next season, or at least has a pretty good case. I mean, look back to the start of 2019, 147 games, so really good sample, almost a full season for a catcher. Hit 273, 25 home runs, and an 801 OPS, 103 RBIs in that time, if that's your thing. 
Of course, Darno took it to a new level with the Braves this year, hit 321, nine homers, 919 OPS, over 44 regular season games. Had a really good postseason too. Drove in 10 runs, had an 856 OPS. Just a great year. And I know JT Ramuto is the lock out of the number one spot, regardless of where he signs this offseason. But it's really wide open after that with catchers. Gary Sanchez can't be trusted. Who knows what's going on there with the Yankees? He's a drag on batting average. Yasmani Grandal the same way. You know, hits for power, but not going to give you batting average. Mitch Garver took a huge step back this year. I guess if you wanted to play it safe, you could look to a veteran like Salvador Perez, put up some crazy numbers this year on his own. Uh, Wilson Contreras, maybe. Um, I I would get that as well. Maybe you go with a young player with upside like Will Smith, but I think Darno has a really good argument, and I really like that Braves lineup. So, man, I I think he's going to be drafted really high, at least inside the top five catchers, but I I think you could really make a case he could be the number two guy. When you first said that, I was like, eh, that seems high to me. I um, know, I know. But, but I don't disagree. You didn't mention uh, Sean Murphy either, who yeah. showed a lot of power in the postseason. I think he could be a definite riser, the, the A's catcher. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. You're, you're right, though. It is pretty wide open after Real Muto. I like Will Smith a lot. It mm-hmm. seems like the Dodgers don't really want to play him every day. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was just a weird product of this season. I'm just trying to keep him fresh and keep the eye on the prize in October. Um, but he definitely has the talent. If he gets, you know, 130 starts that he could be a top you know, overall catcher, really yeah, even, even challenging real Muto with, with the bat talent that he has. So we're going to get to the Astros in a second. But first uh, a little promo here, the all new Roto world premium subscription packages have the tools and resources you need to dominate your fantasy leagues from drafts through the playoffs Best of all, subscriptions are not just one sport. They include football, baseball, basketball, and hockey. And as a listener of the Roto-World Baseball Podcast, you get $10 off any annual subscription to Roto-World Premium. To find your edge, visit rotoworld.com edge using the promo code BBPOD10 at checkout. Again, that's rotoworld.com edge and use that promo code BBPOD10 at checkout. All right, you did a very thorough uh, breakdown of the Braves. I don't think my Astros roundup is going to be as thorough, but uh, finished under 500 in the regular season, like you mentioned, 29 to 31, but still made it all the way uh, to the ALCS where they lost in Game Seven to the Rays. I, I think it all just kind of came together for them in October. Um, definitely had the offense working. The pitching was. Kind of uneven, a lot of rookies in that bullpen, and, and some of them didn't really rise to the occasion under the bright lights of the postseason. Um, but just to, just to hit on a, a handful of, of topics that are of interest to fantasy folks, uh, Framber Valdez definitely boosted his fantasy appeal in a, in a big way leading into next season. Um, the regular season production from him this year was already really encouraging 3.57 ERA, 1.12 WHIP, 76 strikeouts to just 16 walks, over 70 and two-third regular season innings. But then he goes up and puts up a, a 1.88 ERA with 26 strikeouts and 24 postseason innings against the Twins, A's, and Rays. Um, all, all good you know, teams, obviously. This is all at age 26 too. Uh, he turns 27 years old next month in November. And the big step he took this season was with his command. 5.7 walks per nine innings over his first 
two major league seasons in 2018 and 2019, that number dropped to 2.0 walks per nine innings during the 2020 regular season. He gained a little bit of velocity on his fastball, but being able to spot his curveball was the biggest plus. It's a great pitch, and he could finally throw it for strikes. And in his ALCS Game 6 victory over the Rays, Valdez got the most swing and misses on his curveball of any pitcher in the pitch tracking era. So that dates back to 2008. So really effective pitch for him. And with the improved command, it just all really came together. We'll see what he can do over a full season. He's never thrown more than 71 innings in a single year at the major league level. So there's some uncertainty here for sure. Uh, And maybe the control issues aren't completely solved. It's kind of hard to say with the smaller sample size that we got in this condensed 2020 campaign. Like we're going to have to look at starters numbers on, you know, the sample size of an average reliever season. Mm. And we know how volatile relievers can be from, from year to year. But I think there's a ton to like with Valdez. He'll be a very intriguing name in, in drafts next spring. I think the ADB ADP will kind of be all over the place. Um, it helps that he should be finally locked into a starting rotation spot from the outset after having to, battle for a job and then opening in sort of a swingman role over, over the previous two years, you know, just looking at the Astros depth chart, Justin Verlander probably won't pitch next year after needing Tommy John surgery at the end of September. Zach Granke's locked in uh, Lance McCullers. I've talked him up enough on this podcast. Jose or uh, should have a spot in the rotation. And then you've got Valdez and several pitchers probably competing for that final spot. I have Valdez locked in as at least their number four starter, maybe even higher than that. And then like Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, maybe Josh James gets another shot. The Astros could add a pitcher in free agency too, but I would think most of their spending would be internal, like locking up their own young position players. And I mean, the bullpen could obviously use some refreshments too. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I, Alex Bregman. Just, yeah, just to get to the the curveball, like you were saying with Framber Valdez, I was just on uh, Baseball Savant, just kind of looking at his page. And if you if you look at the the player pages on Baseball Savant now, especially the pitchers, like there's so much stuff to play with. And I'd recommend during the off season, like just start utilizing this as, as much as you can. There's so much good stuff in here. Uh, so I was looking at his arsenal. So curveball. Opposing again, this is a small sample, but opposing batters hit just 124 uh, with a 138 on base percentage and a 229 slugging percentage against his curveball uh, during the regular season. He gave up just one home run on the pitch, uh, and that was throwing the ball, throwing uh, 351 curveballs. So uh, <laughs> he's the real deal, that's for sure. I like their starting pitching, man. I, I think they're they have pretty good depth there. That's not really an area of concern for me. Uh, I think there are areas of concern. I mean, I, it's weird to say that, even though Justin Verlander is not going to be pitching next year. But I see a lot of upside with the rotation, especially a full year of Urquidy, who had we had high expectations for coming into the year. Valdez and Javier came on this year. I think we could expect more from a colors. You know, another full year removed from Tommy John surgery. Granky, I think we're all waiting for, you know, the shoot, the other shoe to drop, sort of, given the age and, you know, the velocity not really there. But he's still just so savvy. I'm sure he's going to be still very good. I have no reason to doubt that. So, you know, I'm not really concerned about the starting pitching. Uh, bullpen, yes, because, you know, we did see that during the postseason. They have some really interesting, exciting 
young arms out of that bullpen, hard throwers. But they they really need a veteran there, uh, especially since we know Roberto Osuna's uh, not going to pitch next year, had Tommy John surgery. So I could see them adding at least in one or two experienced arms for the back end of that bullpen, trusted arms who pitched in, you know, one winning ball clubs. I, I certainly could see that happening. Yeah, I mean, it probably helps that there were so many injuries that in that bullpen group that they had to trust some rookies who yeah. who got a taste of major league action. Um, and, and so next spring, they'll have a better idea of who's ready to, to open the season with with the big league club. And we should also mention, like, just watching this postseason in general, the teams that made it far, it feels like they all had 10 guys coming out of the bullpen who could throw 100 miles an hour. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's in, oh, totally. it's insane. I, I And, like, just sort of thinking about, you know, even if a team like the Mets made the postseason, like, they'd be throwing Dellen Betances out there and, and Jerry's Familia. And, like, no, that isn't going to work in this this current <laughs> environment of Major League Baseball. But, like, I think that's sort of a lesson for these other teams, you know? Yeah, I mean, and a lot of them are really young, too. Yeah. Um, all right, another topic, uh, Alex Bregman. Um, had a pretty unproductive showing in the postseason. 220 batting average, 616 OPS, only one home run in 57 plate appearances. Even got bumped out of the cleanup spot to the number five spot in the lineup for the Astros' final two ALCS games against the Rays, um, so games six and seven. Uh, but but having watched most of those 57 plate appearances, I, I have to say that he was really the victim of, of a lot of bad luck. Um, he didn't strike out a ton and there was one stretch in the ALCS where he had six straight hard hit outs. So that's any, a hard hit out is any ball that is clocked above 95 miles per hour for exit velocity from Statcast. you know, which would most times result in a hit, but in, instead those six straight hard hit balls found a glove instead. That's, that's a credit to the Rays' defensive positioning mm. and just defensive play in general. And again, just goes back to, simple bad luck for Bregman. Um, the regular season numbers don't track with his you know, previous incredible year over year progression. Like just looking at OPS 791 as a rookie in 2016, jumps to 827 in 2017, 926 in 2018, 1015 in 2019, and then down to 801 in 2020. Um, but he did miss time with a hamstring injury um, so lost him at bats to kind of have some positive regression in the OPS department and his batting average on balls in play in the regular season was 233. Um, so again, it just keeps going to bad luck. I guess we could mention the sign stealing stuff here, uh, but I, I just rather not. <laughs> I, I do think Bregman could drop into like the third round in drafts next spring. Yeah. His average draft position on Yahoo this past spring and summer was in the, the second round at 16.8, um, on Yahoo. I haven't messed around with projections yet for 2021, but I, I still think he's, you know, his ceiling is like nine, 900 OPS, mid 900 OPS, 40 Homer, hundred RBI potential as, as the likely cleanup man again in that lineup. Um, he's 26 years old right now. turns 27 next March. This is his physical prime. Um, he doesn't really steal bases anymore. Like he did when he first arrived in the majors, I believe he had 17 steals um, as a sophomore in 2017 he had zero this year in a condensed season um, but he can be elite in at least three fantasy scoring categories homers 
RBIs, runs scored in, in that deep Astros lineup, and, and probably four because I mean he had a career low of 246 batting average in 2020. I think that normalizes back more towards his career average, which is around 290. I agree. I mean, he didn't he didn't hit the ball overly hard this year, which I think is worth watching at least. But, you know, you can at least hang your hat on that. He has a really, really good approach. He doesn't strike out very much. He gets on base. Those are all positives. I think things will rise a bit for him. And I do think we we can't really overlook that hamstring issue. He was off to a decent start, not a great start by any means prior to the hamstring issue comes back and the numbers were just weren't very good. I don't really want to overrate the postseason either because it's even a smaller sample than when what we had during the regular season uh, but I think if he slips into the third round or maybe lower like you're going to take a chance on that yeah the walk r- rate was down I think that can maybe be attributed to like the narrative that he was pressing the Astros were having a tough season in general beyond just the sign stealing drama yeah. um, just didn't really play up to to the expectations of the talent on their roster and so, and he's their locked-in cleanup hitter. He's their kind of middle-of-the-lineup stud, even though they have a ton of middle-of-the-lineup studs. And I think maybe he was just trying to do a little too much. And I know that's kind of a tired cliche in baseball, but I, I think maybe that holds up here. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jordan Alvarez, I think, will be a big focal point of discussion in, in the fantasy industry leading into spring training uh, next year after he required surgery on both of his knees in August it took only eight total at-bats in 2020, but it's pretty hard to gauge here in October where he will be health-wise next February and March and then going into the regular season. So uh, let's focus right now on a different Astros hitter who's on a more certain rise up the fantasy ranks, and that's outfielder Kyle Tucker. Um, finally locked into a starting job this year after you know years of putting up monstrous box score-filling numbers at the AAA level. And he, he predictably took took off 27 extra base hits, 42 RBIs and 58 games during the condensed 2020 regular season. Also at eight stolen bases, uh, the postseason production was sort of underwhelming, uh, at least from a power perspective. But he did bat 306 and 53 plate appearances, just more singles than the bunches of extra base hits that he racked up during the summer months. He's 23 years old, uh, will be 24 throughout the course of will be 24 throughout the course of next season. Um, and I think maybe he's going to fly under the radar to some degree in more casual fantasy leagues because you know, he's appeared in only 108 major league games up to this point by no fault of his own. Um, the Astros just didn't really need him in 2018 or 2019. And then obviously this season just wasn't a very long one. And the overall numbers so far aren't like necessarily eye popping, but I- I've seen enough between his minor league production and what he did last September um, and then what he did in a forced small sample size this year to, to say that he should be treated as a top 25 fantasy outfielder, possibly even top 20 going into next season. He was the number 46 overall outfielder off the board in the average draft this spring and summer. So that's a big leap. And when you're talking about top 20 outfielders, you're talking about some of the very best players in all of baseball. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, he's proven to be a potential five category guy. I think he's almost already there ri- really certainly with the power and speed. And I think it's reasonable to project an improvement in the batting average department. I think he's just a really good hitter. Um, and he moved further and further up the lineup as this year went along, uh, should jump even higher with George Springer likely departing as a free agent. The Astros could also lose 
Michael Brantley, but I think it kind of makes sense for for them to try to re-sign him. I think Springer will be out of their price range. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think next year Tucker could be a huge, fully realized breakout star. Um, I think it might have already it might have happened this year had he got to play, you know, over 130, 140, 150 games. I mean, he was a top 20 outfielder this year. Uh, I believe he was either 19th or 20th. I was looking at it earlier. Uh, just nice across the board numbers. I know he hit 268, but you know, nine homers, eight steals over 58 games. I mean, project that out over a full season. You're talking like 25, 25, maybe. Yep. I mean, that's pretty. Yep. That's pretty darn good. Uh, and didn't strike out excessively this year. 20.2 percent. I mean, that's probably below league average at this point. 7.9% walk rate, so getting on base at a good clip too. Uh, rated very well in terms of average exit velocity, hard hit percentage. He was also above league average and barrel percentage as well. All things you really want to see uh, with a hitter, at least to back up the production that they had. His XBA was basically a match to his batting average, so everything checked out as far as production. We know he's had that prospect pedigree, but just kind of, kind of been waiting for him to get an opportunity, but... Uh, you know, you look up and down the Astros lineup, basically everyone had a down year except for Tucker. Tucker was the one who, who really thrived in that Astros lineup. So uh, I, re- I feel really good about him uh, going into next year. One hitter I don't feel great about going into next year in the Astros lineup is Yuli Gur- Gurriel. And what's weird with him is that the Astros gave him a one-year extension just prior to the postseason uh, for some reason. Uh, hit just 232 with six homers and a 658 OPS over 57 games during the regular season had a terrible postseason too uh, of course Gurriel had this standout 2019 but it's safe to say that was more of an outlier than anything else uh, we'll be 37 years old next June I think the baseline expectation for him should be about league average as far as production uh, not a good defender either so I don't really get this one at all for the Astros. And for me, like I, I, it's, I would struggle to even consider him in a standard mixed league going into next year. I honestly like totally missed that they signed him to an extension. Yeah. Did that happen when I was like, it was like somewhere? the day that the playoffs started basically. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't know why, why? I don't know. Maybe cause the first base market's just, it's not there. I mean, they're not going to be paying him a ton of money. I think it's yeah, like was it six and a half million. Six and I just a half had to look million. it up. Yeah. So he's going to be guaranteed like maybe seven million with the buyout on an option for 2022. But it just seems sort of unnecessary because I think kind of more like one dimensional players like him basically are, are not that hard to find, especially since he doesn't really provide any value on defense. Jordan Alvarez comes back. You got to figure he's going to be the primary designated hitter. So they're kind of boxing themselves in there for next season. Trying to look up who like free agent first baseman would be. I guess DJ LeMahieu, but you'd probably want to play him at second base. Yeah, there's just not much there, and maybe they thought, let's get ahead of this. He's fine. He's nothing special, but six and a half million is 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 palatable. Yeah. Um, Nelson Cruz, he'd be a nice addition to the lineup. I, yeah, I don't know. Jack Peterson, I guess, will be a free agent. Mm-hmm. He could play first base. Good. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if he'd be any good at first base. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Gurriel doesn't really set a hard, uh, high bar there at the position. But uh, we didn't even talk about Jose Altuve. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, I was kind of down on him going into this year. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, how about the yips that he showed in, in the ALCS too? That was strange. It's, it is strange. I, I don't, did he, I think he might've had one, did he have one issue? throw? Yeah. It, there's been some talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that was physical as much as just the pressure getting to him or something, or just having doubts about, you know, his own performance or I, who knows? I, I, it's just hard to get into anybody's head. You hate seeing that happen to anyone. You know, I can separate the cheating stuff from something that's like more of a mental issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I did, it was hard for me to watch that. I, I did feel bad about that. Just like anytime, you know, there was like Rick Ankiel and like that stuff is just hard to see. Daniel Bard over the years, just all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, for some reason, that just like bothers me. Mackie Sasser with the Mets famously couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher uh, from the catcher position. Like that stuff's like uncomfortable for me to Rick see. Rick Ankiel. Yeah. yeah. Um, but- I mean, the thing the thing with Altuve is he just he doesn't steal you know thirty bases a season anymore, and if he's not going to hit three thirty. Yeah. Um, you know, he did, uh, he did have 31 home runs in 2019, a career high and was a 900 OPS guy. And, but man, the on base percentage this year was 286. That's a career low batting average 219, also a career low. And it was a small sample and there was a lot going on around him. He had an awesome but, uh, postseason offensively though. Yeah, he did. He, he would make up for the, the, the three throwing errors in the field with you know what? Three home runs. Yeah, he had five homers, eleven RBIs, and hit three seventy-five yep. in the postseason. So three homers in the ALCS. Yeah, I mean, he had five homers during the entire regular season. It goes back to second base is going to be a tough one. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So only two steals though during the regular season, like you were saying. So and he's had those knee issues and stuff. So you know, and he's going to be thirty-one next year. Thirty, mm-hmm. age thirty-one season. It's it, it's going to be really tough where to place him next year in drafts. I feel like it's going to be it's going to be polarizing to say the least. I mean, he's already polarizing. Anybody on the Astros, I guess, is polarizing. But um, you know, given his age and track record and small sample of a 2020 season, it's going to be hard to gauge a lot of players. But this is especially a tricky one, I think. Yeah, but just looking down the the list of second basemen, he was the number two second baseman off the board on Yahoo. Uh, Glaber Torres was number one. That all these guys were pretty bunched together, though. Ozzy Albies, I'd rather have than El Tuve next year. Sure. Um, Whit Merrifield, even Keston Hira, uh, for sure. Even though he was kind of inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ozzy Albies. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna reach for Albies. That's pretty much my plan, possibly. I, don't I think know. it's a good plan. Uh, but yeah, we have we have plenty of time to to stew on that and actually pretty soon we're going to be writing our profiles and articles for the roto world uh draft guide uh which should be fun uh that that's coming sooner than we know it i think yeah it always does man (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh be sure to check out our our team roundups i think that'll do it for uh this episode here uh hopefully you got a, a good snapshot of these teams i think they're both really interesting teams uh, going into next season. This is going to be an off-season to change for the Astros one way or another, so it's going to be pretty fascinating. Um, and we'll be back. Uh, we will be back two weeks from now for a hot stove preview episode. Uh, and Chris and Colin will be back next week. We'll see what kind of topic they have 
uh, going on for you guys next week, but I'm sure it'll be good. If you like what you're hearing with this show, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. We'd really appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short and Drew is at TrueSilv. Be safe out there and we'll see you next time. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.